This podcast is brought to you by House of Macadamias. I love macadamia nuts. They are incredibly good for you. They're the healthiest nut on a pound for pound basis, but they've always been hard to find and frankly, very expensive. House of Macadamias changes all that by going directly to farmers in South Africa to take the best nuts directly from each harvest. They turn them into incredible products, chocolate dip macadamias, protein bars, you name it. They taste incredible. I live off these products on a day-to-day basis. I'm a huge fan. Go to houseofmacadamias.com backslash Noah, use the code NOAH20 and you won't be disappointed. Welcome to the Uncharted podcast. Uncharted is a community of some of the world's best entrepreneurs, founders, investors, creatives, and beyond. At our dinners and at our annual summit in New York, we have dialogues with people who are truly at the top of their game across every industry. This podcast is designed really to offer the world and the audience a peek into the magical conversations that happen behind closed doors at our events, and more importantly, a peek into the brains of people who are truly at the top of their game. My goal with every guest is that if you know them well, you'll hear them talk about something or say something they've really never said before, and if you've never heard of them, you'll know exactly what makes them such a badass by the time the episode is over. Welcome to Uncharted. We're glad you're here. Chris Cuomo, it's very good to see you, brother. You look great. I can tell you just worked out. You're looking swole. No one's messing with you. I know that. Um, I'm super grateful that you're that you're joining us. You are you're such an impressive human, and uh, you've had an impact on a lot of people's lives. I, I want to start, I guess, just very high level. Your background. I mean, I'm assuming that most people listening know exactly who you are and what you've done, and and just the caliber of a person that you are in the best way possible. You're an attorney. You've been in the field for decades, covering some of the most important stories of all time. You've talked to literally just about every world leader and any person who's influenced humanity. You've had personal conversations with them. As you zoom out and think about where you are right now in your journey, take this question wherever you want. What sticks out to you? What are the what are the emotions you feel? What are the stories you remember? How are you feeling right now? Unsettled. Uh, I think that uh, the the most recent lesson. Uh, that I learned several times, but um, with the most bite at 50 plus years of age, what was I, 50 and one or something like that, is impermanence. And it's a really important thing, uh, whether your business is brand, market, technology, financial technology, Uh, no matter what your enterprise, impermanence is so easy to forget and so painful uh, to be reminded of. And the lesson is not simply to be present and to understand what you have at that moment and what you don't have and what the realities are, but to understand that there is a fundamental fragility Mm. to success um, and to all the metrics of the same, and that you must really develop an ability to be okay with downside. And I think the, the biggest problem that people struggle with in my own experience and in watching others and in researching it intensely for the last year or so is we're not ready emotionally for what we could handle if it was someone else. And that's a really important distinction. Of course, Mm. all pain is personal. You know, Noah, you get it. I get it. But, you know, you hit your thumb with a hammer. I'm like, well, it's not broken. You're like, yeah, but it fucking hurts. You know, so Mm. all pain is personal. 
But there's a cautionary aspect to that as well, is you, if you can handle it for somebody else, you can handle it for yourself. Hmm. And that was a lesson that I learned very acutely. And I am in a very, in my mind, you know, somebody was just telling me last night, just last night, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist was telling me, holy cow, have you exaggerated um, your um, struggle in your own mind? And I think that that is the journalist uh, missing the fact that I'm actually the one experiencing it. And also, you know, in the media, we take people down all the time and we move on. Mm. So, you know, it's hard to connect with the fruit of our labor. Um, but what I've learned is if you can handle it for somebody else. You can handle it for yourself because what's keeping you back is not the intellectual construct. It's the emotional, um, toll that it takes on you and that's okay it's okay to feel and be damaged but as i'm like rebuilding and reassessing and redoing and rethinking most of the struggle is emotional not strategic or tactical do you feel it's beautifully said do you feel like um i want to i want to double click if you will on two things you just said one is the being willing to think about downside and the and the other being willing to handle that and the other is uh, I'm I'm brought to this notion of considering how journalism and the media in general, right? Part of your job is to find exploitations and things and extract things that are inherently juicy and uh, can generate clicks and can generate attention. And if that's the name, if that's how you pay your bills, if you will, there's inherent in that a need to be emotionally detached from that outcome for the other person. Well, there is a need, but you have to remember why. Um, because a lot of that stuff, you're not going to be happy with doing. And, you know, journalism, there's an oxymoronic relationship here, mm. right? Uh, the journalism business, uh, that is a paradox. That is an oxymoronic relationship. Yeah. Because journalism is not supposed to be a business, but it is a business. Uh, and that is a very confused and fraught and precarious situation so i would suggest that you are correct but that is a problem i um, yeah. try not to be divorced from what i'm doing for example okay i apologize in advance for any atmospherics that you hear her of sirens or helicopters you're good it's I'm new york city new york city wherever you are today the day that we're taping this uh is trump indictment arraignment day and it is overwhelmed with media presence. Thankfully, much more media than protest presence at this point, it's early in the day. And that is absolutely the right move if you want people to watch because it is clickbait by definition, but it is dangerous to feed people hype and expectation of things. When you say, oh boy, we gotta see, we gotta see, we gotta see. Implicit in that, at a minimum, is driving a potential expectation uh, that really you should not want to happen. Uh, I don't want to see violence in the streets uh, over something that is legal or political or both, depending on your perspective on it. And you shouldn't be divorced from that emotionally. You should own it um, that what you're putting out there about the former president 
and what may happen and what may be happening in response, you should own it. Hmm. Um, not just drive it for the way that it will be successful in the moment and then you move on no matter what you help facilitate. So you're right, but it's a problem in my business. It's a problem. So it's, it is a very unique moment in time as we record this podcast, potentially by the time we're done, this could have actually played out. It's, it's uh, April 4th and this is a historic day in America. By the time the audience hears this, it'll be a little bit removed and we'll know more at that time. But right now, I suppose to, to unpack that a little bit more, not to make this political, but how are you feeling is, is the main thing that is on your brain, the like you said, oxymoronic relationship between the fact that we're drawing attention to something that may not actually be in the best interest of America, but is in the best interest of clicks? Are you thinking about the implications of this in the long run? Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm always burdened by that. I make bad moves business-wise all the time uh, in this business. I started off very early on in this business um, convincing Monica Lewinsky, who was on my couch at the time and friends with my wife, not to do an interview with me um, because I didn't want to compromise the friendship. She wound up doing it with Barbara Walters. That was stupid. Wow. I recently, uh, I just, you think you'd learn. I just did the same exact thing with another celebrity who's in a bad way. And I know them and they trust me and they wanted to talk to me about it. And I said, yeah, I'd rather not because more often than not, these things don't come out the way you want. And I don't want that to affect the relationship. Everybody tells me that that's, um, a mistake mm. business-wise, but, you know, it, it, at my stage, I want to do things that help and I don't want to have to fool myself into thinking that that's what my work is about. I want it to be pretty obvious. And when I'm doing something because I just think it's funny or it just, it bothers me and I want to see if it bothers you um, or I want to mess with you as someone who plays the partisan game in our politics, because I hate the partisan game. I want to destroy our party mm. system, mm. which people on the left don't seem to understand because they're like, but how can you both sides a situation where they're supporting a Trump and we want democracy? One, I don't see the left the way many on the left see it, but it doesn't matter that the two parties aren't equal uh, as malefactors. The game is toxic. And that's all I care about. So having been removed from my lofty status uh, as the number one show at the most powerful media organization in the world, um, which, by the way, I never appreciated. Um, do I now? Uh, no. But I do regret that uh, I didn't make a better effort to appreciate um blessings, good fortune. I don't believe in luck, but um, to appreciate those things because you certainly fixate on it when you have bad uh, situations and down, you focus on that like crazy. To me, too often success is failure averted. Now I'm at a startup, two startups, the podcast, uh, the Chris Cuomo Project and News Nation, which is owned by the biggest uh, television company in terms of owning affiliates in the country, Nexstar, but it's still a startup. Nobody knows where it is. Sure. My own mom only watches like one every 10 shows because <laughs> if there's not someone there to find News Nation for her, she can't figure it out. Um, and the, the ratings have been great, uh, you know, benefiting from a low starting point, but still sure. it's a contracting marketplace right now. Sure. And ratings are down because people are emotionally exhausted. 
but our numbers are going up. And I, I think that's um, good proof of concept, but I'm trying to appreciate that. But it's hard for me because one, I'm more motivated with the soul of the work that I'm doing than I ever was before. Why? Because I'm angry and I'm, I'm bitter and I'm angry at myself and I'm angry at not seeing what was coming my way and having this foolish notion of fairness. Um, and you know, I, I, I wound up losing my job and I really shouldn't have, but, you know, I'm very confused about all that uh, emotionally, hmm. but what I've decided on is if I'm going to be in this business, I got to do it for the right reasons and not just pure success, because that is a foolish market strategy for me, because my competition is my critic base. And they're not going to let me be who I was at CNN. They didn't like who I was at CNN when I was. They just had to deal with it because the ratings are the ratings. So the media is still mad at me, uh, a lot of the high priests of journalism, for helping mm. my brother. And some of them are mistaken because they have a false narrative of how I helped my brother, which is why I'm litigating. I don't talk about it a lot because I'm not here to convince you of anything. I'm here to convince um, an arbitrator of my case and i'm going to do that i have i have no doubt about the merits of the situation the optics of the situation are something else and i don't have a lot of control of that so all i can do is control the ability of what people can say without fear of uh litigation and that kind of sucks but it left me in a place where why am i doing this my why has changed i want to get paid i want to be successful but I want to do that doing something that I think helps to the extent that I have to cover politics. Now, anyone who's watching my show, a new criticism for me, which I uh, do not respect, is, man, you do a lot of crime. You know, you should be doing more politics. You used to do a lot more politics. Here's my feeling. And Noah, I, I, welcome, I welcome the pushback, okay? Sure. Um, and not just because I love to fight, but because I think it's, it's a legit um, debate. What is more tawdry? What is more clickbait? What is more unproductive? Covering the latest set of salvos from right versus left, Marjorie Taylor Greene or one of the other uh, you know, extremists on the right saying something nonsensical even on uh, an esteemed platform like 60 Minutes and they're reasons for inaction and the zero sum who is worse them or us or a legitimate homicide where people are dead and it is a test every time out of whether the system can achieve a consensus of justice in that situation to me it's a no-brainer it's not following the latest celebrity romance. It's not a celebrity drug bender. I don't believe in celebrating or exploiting weakness or illness. I don't do it. Oh, another big mistake I made. I could have interviewed Charlie Sheen back in his tiger blood days. And instead I kind of channeled it to someone else at the news organization I was at. Why? 
because he was a friend of a friend. I thought he was mentally ill and I didn't want to put mentally ill on display like a circus attraction. And everybody was like, boy, you stupid. That was such great ratings, that thing. That was my choice. That's how I feel about crime. Many in the media think covering murders is cheap. I think covering the Trump indictment, yes, there's a novelty to it. We've never been through this before. There's a danger component. But making it seem like there's a real chance that he's going to go to prison over this is bullshit. Hmm. And it, sh it shouldn't be covered that way. And I think that that is the mistake of hype and clickbait. And me covering a mom who gets consumed by a cult and winds up killing her own children thinking they're zombies hmm. and she's not insane matters more. Why? Because there are more regular people who get sucked up into that than we know that that is a real social value at play. How do you let someone get away with killing their own kids? What is going to happen in this system? What is fairness? Does she really have a defense? Is there any mitigation? How does our society view this? Those are real questions. And I ignored them at CNN because the high priests, you know, at all the news organizations, CNN is, is, is uh, no different except in ways that I believe makes it better. Um, but they're like, yeah, it's tawdry. That's tabloid. I think politics is tabloid. Mm. So I've made that switch because my experience is, Noah, and you tell me if this is how you see it. You're at a dinner party. Sure, people will talk Trump, but they're not talking the internecine strife of left versus right. But they will be like, how crazy is that Murdoch case? That family like controlled a big piece of South Carolina. There yeah. like five murders attached to that guy. This is crazy. That you hear about. What happened to those college students in Idaho? Who does this? The guy's a PhD in criminology and he's doing this? How did they catch him? The forensics, how the system works, how policing can be at its best or at its worst. These are real values in our society. These are real grinding of gears in a way that investigate Biden for his son's laptop doesn't matter. The way Trump had classified documents, I wonder what he knew and what he didn't. Oh, Biden's got him in his garage too. That's not productive. It's just gotcha bullshit. I bet you they all have documents that they don't know they were supposed to have or keep or whatever it is. They're not paying attention to it. That I think is cheap and tawdry. So what I've decided is I would rather carry cover things that people are going to be talking about at their kids' games, when they're having drinks, when they're eating, because that's the metric for me. Those are the people I want. I don't want the left and the right. I want reasonable people who look at the system that I used to referee at CNN and say, this is just a bunch of crazy. I don't even understand what they're saying half the time. I don't understand any of this, why they're so angry. This all seems fake to me. I want those people. Are, are there fewer? No, they're actually more. They're just not watching news the same way. But you know what they do watch? True crime. Mm. Now, I'm not going all in on true crime. Why? Because I have diverse interests. Um, but I don't think it's tawdry. And I think the people who say it's tawdry are covering stuff that's a lot more shallow than someone losing their life in a way that the system has to judge. Well, I'm certainly not going to debate you on it. And um, I think it's hard to argue with that logic, frankly, especially the way you just so eloquently articulated it. I, I think the only pushback I would have, and I think I'm actually agreeing with you, 
is that to one of your earlier points, media is a self, self, self-fulfilling prophecy of needing clicks to stay in business, which means you're inevitably going to find yourself going to the lowest common denominator of what's interesting. And on the flip side, politics in many ways has become the same thing of, I think, and I'm, I'm assuming that this is going to resonate with a lot of our listeners and I'm not going to get political, but whether you're on the right or the left, it's a lot of talking and gotcha and finger pointing that seems to not net out in a whole bunch of productivity. And I think for me personally, it's the thing that bothers me most. And so for your point is basically that at CNN, your job was to propagate that system of media clicks, politics, BS, conversations, cycle, sell more commercials, keep people's eyeballs on it, whatever's going to fulfill that. And now you're saying, where's the real, what's the outcome of this, right? I'm not talking about what happens on Capitol Hill and in Congress where they're just debating each other over laws that they're not going to pass before they're voted out anyway, just to try to stay in power, right? You're talking about what's the outcome of this, right? How is this actually affecting the American people? And whether or not someone wants to debate that that's better or worse, I don't think that's for us to decide. But I, I, think what you're doing is commendable. And I think the strategy makes a ton of sense. And I think for those listening, it's hard to argue that that is a perhaps novel take on giving people a dose of reality that you're not getting watching CNN or Fox News or whatever you have. Well, look, I I don't mean it as a point of criticism. I mean it as a choice. Um, And I think you see that everybody is covering a little bit more crime than they were because they're desperate to find things that are resonating with people. And remember, this is a, you know, this is a uh, symbiotic relationship. Okay, you know, people can say, "Oh, the media, all they give us, no, all they give you is what's working with you." Mm-hmm. Okay, if you don't watch it, we won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> and if you do watch it, we will talk about it more. So let's not hide from the realities of uh, of our own choices. Um, but you're always selling soap. I'm selling soap now. I'm just trying to sell soap. A different way. And in fact, on the podcast, I'm doing something that, you know, I can't do because I don't control News Nation the way I do the podcast, but I'm doing partnerships with uh, trade groups or corporate entities on things that I believe in. Like I did one uh, with the Nuclear Energy Institute because I believe that we're making a big mistake uh, based off stigma and off also uh, profit, profit centers. Um, ignoring something that has to be a step in getting us towards cleaner energy. And we see nuclear power as a boogeyman that doesn't really stand up to scrutiny. I know I saw it that way. So I partnered with them. Now you'd say, well, that's not journalism. I don't care what you call it. Okay. I am going through all of the reasonable and some unreasonable um, rationales for being anti-nuclear. And I have a couple of episodes on it. I did with a really good uh, panel, uh, and, you know, uh, uh, nuclear physicist, obviously, um, some people who are engineers at a nuclear facility, Michael Schellenberger, uh, who is this citizen journalist, uh, you know, guy from the Twitter files. And I go through, yeah, but if there's a mistake at a nuclear facility, uh, we all glow for the next generation and a half. That's the problem. Right. Uh, and you've got the storage of the fuel and it's like you can't put it anywhere. That's the way I have the conversation. You tell me that that sounds like propaganda that's pro-nuclear. But I partner with them because I said to them, I will give you a fair shot to reopen the conversation as to whether or not this should be a piece of our program. I mean, it is, you know, we're somewhere around 17 to 20 percent nuclear in this country. But other countries are finding new ways off of a technology that we developed 
uh, in its seminal stages, and it's becoming a much more useful thing as we're arguing about how much oil to pump, and it's just silly. So I would never do that at news. You know, a news organization wouldn't be able to get over the overt sense of uh, conflict. But I believe that that's an antiquated notion. And I'm very open to partnerships about things that I believe in. Like, for instance, I believe in THC and CBD. Hmm. They work for me uh, as an aging athlete and as a guy who is very active in self-defense training and getting thrown on the ground and getting struck. I'm telling you, CBD has helped me. Hmm. Um, And the research is there. I believe in it. Nothing's perfect. Um, I like, I prefer THC to booze. I've been drinking less and less and less. I haven't had a drink in a long time uh, since last night, but the, you know, so I believe in those things. So I would do a partnership with a cannabis company because I believe in it. I wouldn't do it with a, uh, with a booze company because I'd say, well, I don't really want to be pushing it. Um, I don't know that that's good for somebody well but you drink tequila yeah i only drink tequila if i'm if i'm going to drink at all that's just the choice i'm not saying it's better than anything else um but that's my own personal choice so i am okay with selling silk and i think it's naive to believe that anybody's in this business to not make money because you want to do well so that you can do good things because the Mm. more reach you have the more resonance you can have and the, and the more choices you can make of what to take on, frankly. Hmm. So I, I really, I'm not one of these, you know, it's not a business. I don't know who advertises. I don't want to know. I, I do want to know. I want to hmm. make as much money for the enterprises as I can. And I also want to help people in your space. Uh, you uh, are a friend and I'm, I'm always a call away, but people don't understand the media uh, on the business side. Even the great crisis communication people, you don't know anybody who's in crisis communication who's been at my level of the media business. We don't go into crisis communication. Once in a while, you'll get a guy who was like a big shot uh, producer, but not too often. Hmm. Not too often. Hmm. And I understand how crisis communications works because I create the cycles. And I've been doing it for 25 years. And when we were bandying ideas, I'm not joking. I'm telling you, I can tell you how to survive any media maelstrom in seven days, as long as there's no process attached to it. If there's a process attached, there's an investigation that's external. Um, There's litigation that's external. then you're at the mercy of a different timeline. But I see the same mistakes made all the time by people on the corporate side about how to talk to the media, when to talk to the media, whether to talk to the media, who talks to the media, how to drive narrative. And I'm not saying this in a way that is artificial or inauthentic. I'm just saying it's about effectiveness. Hmm. You know, people talk to the media all the time And they have to know that this is not going to go your way. The headline's going to be bad. And the first few graphs are going to be bad. Mm -hmm. And your part's not going to be in there till the middle of the piece. And I got to tell you something. Unlike this podcast that has 80-something percent completion rate, nobody reads an entire article. Mm -hmm. They see a headline. They go down two, three graphs. 
and it's over. Mm. And the people who are writing them know that. And that's why they put in the, what Noah says, other than some like simple prophylaxis, you know, that, that prophylaxis that plays at balance, you know, Noah yeah. has denied all allegations, but, and then you get hammered for another mm. graph and a half before any counter evidence is brought in, if at all. And I see that and I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? The media is not your friend. They're not supposed to be your friend. The accusation always outweighs the defense. Always. Yeah, but that's not fair. Welcome to life. Mm. Well, then what are we supposed to do? Oh, there are strategies. Tell you us guys more. just don't know them. What are the strategies? What, what mistakes do people make? First of all, you have to be mindful of duration. And the longer you say nothing in a situation where they're not where there is not a blow away explanation, like what? I wasn't there. This didn't happen and I can prove it. OK, we didn't do this. And you are on notice that if you say we did, I'm showing you the proof that we didn't do it. If you write any suggestion that we did, I will sue you. These work as long as you have the there there to do it. Not addressing the media works. Why? Transparency is good, isn't it? If there's gonna be fairness. But all you do when you, when you speak to the media about something that you don't like and that you can't make go away is feed it. I'm gonna cover it more now because I'm gonna cover your response to the situation and now you're driving the cycle that you want to stop. Mm. But we're told by experts and by intuition, we got to say something. Are they going to kill us? I don't know. Are they? Or is it going to go away? Because there's a clock. There's a clock at play. There's a clock of, um, of, you know, of how long this can last before I move on to something else that's more interesting. Sure. And I think that we're going to see that in play here. Uh, Trump does not follow me, but he is an anomaly, okay? Because he has a judgment-proof base, which most politicians don't benefit from. So he can lie, defy, and deny all he wants. And yep. so that doesn't work for the rest of us. Sure. For the rest of us, you would go here today, you would come out and say, this is not who I am, this is not what I'm about, and this isn't going to work. And I'm going to talk about what I'm going to do for this country. And I'm not talking about this. I'm just going to deal with it where it is. Got it. Chris, can you do me? I, I think we lost your uh, speaker or something. Oh, sorry. Better? Yeah, that's better. Thank you I'll so say much. It again. The, the way to play this situation is to come out and say, this is it. I'm playing this out in court. This is not what I'm about. I'll tell you what I'm about in my campaign. He's not going to do that. He's going to flog this as proof that he's a victim of a dirty system. Um, well, why isn't that a good strategy? It is a good strategy. I just don't like its goal. Yeah. How do, how do we um, fix this, Chris? There's, there's everything that we've been talking about, and I agree fundamentally, points to a fundamental flaw in media. You are now outside that system, which gives you the ability to do things like partner with nuclear companies because you believe in it, but be impartial and fair. Um, even this platform, right? We're not beholden to an agenda that I have to get certain things out of you to get clicks, right? We're friends and we're having a conversation. That's somewhat abnormal to media, but it's more in line with podcasters and what people like Joe Rogan are doing and building their own platforms. Where does this net out? How do we fix all these things that are wrong, that are just exploitative of truth? There's no, there are, 
I don't see it through that lens of, uh, of cynicism. I think it's always been this way. I think we just have more. Um, I, I think that there's just more media and more is not always better. Um, you have self-publishing and the ability to mask reach so that the links all look the same, even though uh, it's like a guy, you know, at home with no sophistication. Um, I just, I think it's about change. I think it's about appetites. I think it's about marketplace. I think it's about a developing culture. Uh, I think it's about um, a search for identity uh, in America. Nobody's doing what we're doing here. Uh, nobody has uh, a democratic republic like this. Nobody's got the challenges of diversity and the benefits of diversity. Nobody is, this is an experiment for a reason. Um, so the idea of, well, how do we get more truth? People have to want it. Okay. Uh, and right now, frankly, we are treating our politics like a, uh, you know, like a form of sport. So it's like, nobody wants the truth about their football team. No, the Jets are not going to be better if they get Aaron Rodgers because they still can't protect him and he's going to get knocked around. And there is no quarterback that plays well, knocked around. Sorry, Jets fans. But nobody wants to hear that. Right. Why? Because that's my team, man. That's my team. I'm with them. Our politics should not be that way. Hmm. Our politics should be uh, icy in its pragmatism. You do for me or get gone. I have no loyalty to you. I have a loyalty to me and my community and our interests. You do for me. I am not here to help you help me. You will get my vote if you deserve it. I see you as a roofer, okay? Not as a preacher. You fix my roof. You do it for a price that I think makes sense for the quality I want, the time, the finishings. And if it's good, great. If not, I'm not paying you and we're going to fight. Hmm. That's how you treat everything else in your life. Politics should be no different. How do, you, how do we get that message across to people? What should what should people do, Chris Cuomo? Leave the parties. How? Leave. Don't call yourself a Republican or a Democrat. Be a free agent. Be an independent. And make them come to you. Do not vote for them as a proxy for your interests. Well, the other side is crazy, though. You don't do that anywhere else. Well, the Tesla has just got you know, too many problems with servicing. So I'm just going to get the Audi. You never do that. You get what makes the most sense for you, not the least worst. You know, I think I'll date this guy because, you know, the other guy's even uglier. Nobody does that. We only do it in our politics. Uh, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll do the contract uh, with this service provider because, you know, the other one even sucks worse. Never do we do that. That's just stupid. You're going to be out of business. You're going to be out of friends. You're going to be out of prospects if you live your life mm. that way. You know, uh, I guess I'll just eat that bowl of, of fried cheese because option two is just a jar of canola oil. You know, nobody does. That. Right. You do what's best for you. What's better, not is what's less bad. Well, it's a choice between two evils. Yeah, that's where you make it. Get better choices. How? You've got to break the game. 
How? I'm just one person. Leave it. Hmm. Tell your friends to leave it. Do it the same way you do when there are other habits that you don't like that your friends have. You're really going to eat that whole fucking pizza, you know, when you're 260 pounds. You should treat politics the same way. You're really going to just vote Republican? You're really just going to vote Democrat when AOC chased 30,000 jobs out of New York City? Really? You're just going to give it to them when they're like pushing defund the police and this other stupid shit? Really? Hmm. That's crazy. Leave the parties. But then I can't vote in the primary. Fair point. Fair point. Fight for change. Ah, but now we get the real truthiness, my brother. You don't want to fight for change. You want it easy. And that's why we are where we are. We are where we are because it works for everybody involved. And very often in life, what is best for you is hard, not easy. And, you know, you wind up learning the hard way that what seems easy in the moment winds up being just as difficult. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be fat. It's hard to be out of shape. It's hard. Uh, it takes from your self-esteem. It takes from your energy. It takes from yourself, you know, your self-confidence, your self-esteem, your drive. It's hard. It's hard to lose. It's hard to be a loser. It's hard to underperform. And it's hard to perform. It's hard to be in shape. It's hard to be better. Choose your heart. What we've chosen is a path of least resistance that has us having more often than not horrible choices. Horrible choices. This is a uh, this is an important moment in American history, and particularly for those listening, the uncharted audience and community. It's I mean, you've met a lot of these people. It's business leaders. It's it's the type of people who are listening to you talk right now who can actually themselves individually and especially as a unit affect real change because they run funds and they run companies and they're executives and they have platforms and they're creatives. It's a little bit of a reframing of the original question, but for this audience in particular, the person who's listening right now, what should they do for the rest of 2023 into the next election cycle and beyond? How should they be showing up in their businesses and their communities and their friendships on their platforms? A lot of people here have big followings that are going to listen to this. What should they be doing? One, embrace the new reality that brand can extend to public advocacy. Um, we're seeing that now. It's not as taboo as it was. One of my brothers-in-law is Kenneth Cole. Mm. Uh, he was really an early adapter uh, and adopter of this, yeah. uh, of social messaging yeah. as part of his brand. It's dicey, but a lot of things in business are, are dicey. They're things you're going to want to stay away from, of course, but they're things that you can also openly embrace. And I think that uh, people are looking at brands that way. You know, uh, the idea of I just, you know, I just want my sneakers. Mm. Not so much. People like to know what their businesses um, are about uh, on a larger level that matters to them. I I think that that is a uh, new manifestation of our cultural evolution. And what I would say is put your money where your mouth is, Um, you know, advertise um, with outlets that you like that matter to you and be very transactional with politicians, you know, like Mm. whatever matters to you. They want money from you if you're running money. Um, and don't give it to them because of their label or because, oh boy, we got to stop this other side. Nah, that shit never ends. Mm. That never ends, man. It's pendular. It's just, you know, and, and it just goes back and forth and you're being played for a sucker in that game. Mm. 
But I really believe that being in a party is passe. Being in a party is passe. Mm. Um, it's like having a telephone on your wall mm. or a telephone in your house at home. Mm. Um, mine was ringing before I have to have it because that's how the doorman communicates. With me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I really think for this audience, they should be looking to advertise and do partnerships that they think are an extension of their brand. And it's what they want to be known for uh, and known uh, as I know that the people who have been advertising with me when it's not like, you know, an unusual fit, like, you know, Tommy John underwear, you know, it, that's just, yeah, I wear underwear. Um, but the, you know, that's a little weird, but like for people who have to hire, uh, we advertise uh, with Indeed. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what I'm about. I mean, it's kind of a renegade play. They're doing great now, but it's like all in one place, be efficient, be transparent, be open, you know, athletic greens. I'm a huge personal fan of, because I like, yeah. easy. I like that they did the clinical research for me. Um, and it does well with them because that is an extension of what I'm about. Hmm. Um, and that's really the call. I mean, if I could say one thing, I, I'm sure there are other people that offer this insight um that i am like corporate corporations and brands fuck up with the media on a regular basis um they make their problems worse a lot they play the media poorly um and they don't have to and i'm not saying anything that's like the keys to the kingdom or how to undermine truth or anything like that i'm just saying that it's not as simple as what's true it's about what is emphasized and uh, you know, what part of a story matters most. And you guys misplay that a lot because mm. you put an expectation on the person you're working with on the, under, on the other side that either overstates or exaggerates or misses their competency, uh, their sense of fairness, and their ambition. And you have to understand those things before you pick up the phone. Um, or you're going to get played. And that's on you mm. because the media is not here to make me look good. The media, if anything, is set up to, I don't, I don't like this expression, but many people in my business think it, that you're here to help the afflicted and afflict, you know, the, you know, the, the, the helpful, not the helpful, but the powerful, you know, mm. um, you know, that you want to um, help the afflicted uh, and go after those with power. Yes and no, it shouldn't be gratuitous. It's just that very naturally when there's an imbalance in a society, it's usually going to be, you know, that the person who's on the victim side is usually going to have less power. Hmm. So the media is somewhat set up to champion that and give a voice to the voiceless, but it doesn't have to be dispositive of its reckoning in every case. Um, but there, and there are methods and ways to understand what's happening in a story that I think you guys get wrong a lot. And even hmm. with all due respect, to PR outlets, there are a lot of talented people out there who have good relationships, but they've never done the job at a high level. Mm. And the same way that politicians don't talk about the media the way they talk to the media, we don't deal with you people directly the way we deal about you when you're not around. And even the high PR, they don't know that because we know they're playing a game also. Mm. Um, so I, I really think you guys should think about that. And uh, I'm happy to come in and talk to people about it and even and do it situationally. I'm not coming in as a media consultant, but 
I'm happy to come and address groups or, you know, small groups, big groups, uh, even that deal with specific problems. And I can tell you how it's going to go. Hmm. And I'm going to be right a lot more often than not. I believe it. I know you got to go soon, so I want to be respectful of your time. I guess we can end on on one here. I want to talk about resilience for a second and go back to what you said at the beginning of this episode. In entrepreneurship, again, a lot of people who are listening to this are entrepreneurs who are who are dealing constantly with ups and downs and the cycles of high and low and the roller coaster of what it takes to build something from scratch. It's it's a difficulty that not many people know. You have been going through something that is certainly unlike what most will ever experience in their life in terms of deceit and all the things you've gone through that I don't need to get into because people know and and you've generously shared with us and you're still here and you're in the game you're back in the fight and you're fighting and and we know each other pretty well now and even a year ago at Uncharted you were back in the fight and back up there and willing to talk and willing to be vulnerable Um, I I guess just talk about what it means to you to stay in the game and and continue to push forward it's a choice Um, I wish I could say that you live and you learn Um, that's conditionally true. Um, the only thing I know for sure is I've wasted a lot of energy looking back and worrying about forward. And you really have to, I mean, you can plan, sure. But even planning is a projection of what is manifested now onto a potential future. You don't really have any control of it. I mean, you can kill it today with different moves and deals you put in place that may bear fruit, three, six, nine months, whatever your window is, but you don't know what externalities are gonna get involved in other unforeseen, you don't know. Um, So why do we spend so much energy on it? Not on planning, but on worrying about those things that we don't control and the past that you can't fix. I suck at this. I think uh, if life were a written test, I would kill it. The practical exam is destroying me. I make Mm. the same mistakes and get caught in the same negative behaviors Mm. all the time. Why? Because just because something is simple to understand doesn't mean it's easy to do. Uh, Life is hard. The more successful you become, uh, the more the stakes are there, the more the outcomes are precipitous. Uh, it's, It's tricky. Uh, I do this because I believe it's what I'm meant to do. Um, and it gives me more satisfaction, even when it's with its compromises than other things. Um, and I'm going to keep doing it as long as that is the case. And as long as there is, uh, an openness and, uh, you know, an ask for what I'm doing and I just deal with it. You know, it's, it's trite, but true, you know? It's one day at a time, it's one moment at a time, it's one transaction at a time, it's one move at a time. And sure, you can play chess. But remember, chess is about having a, you know, not always finite, but controllable and foreseeable set of expectations off an action. I'm going to go here. These are the next two, three moves. If this person's playing right by this strategy, this is the way it should go. But that's a game, okay? There are a lot of things like, no one can just come over and knock the board over all of a sudden. You know, you don't have to worry about someone walking up and punching you in the face, mm. you know, as part of your game strategy. But that is life. You're going to get punched in the face. And Mike Tyson was right. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. And the reason that you see fighters revert 
to schoolyard tactics. Duck in their head, swinging, swinging, eyes closed. Why? Basic self-protection. Regressing to the basic. That's what we do in crisis because we don't know any better. We don't know that the best thing to do when you get hit, sure, you want to stop that threat, but the best thing you could do would be to step to the side and back. Hmm. Get out of the center line, step to the side and back, figure out the fuck is going on here. But it's hard to do that when you're getting punched in the face. And that's why I'm saying you have to keep certain directives in your in your mind and you have to make them constant. And you have to repeat it to yourself all the time and manifest itself all the time. If uh, Marcus Aurelius, if it's endurable, endure. If you could figure it out for somebody else, figure it out for yourself. Use help. Realize that you're hurt. Realize that you fail. Don't fight failure. The worst part of failure is extending it. Mm. Okay? It's not working. Okay? Everybody knows. Remove the ego. Focus on what you control. And do it now. Because this is all you have. These are things I know. But the practice is a bitch. Mm. No. You know, this weekend, my wife went away from business. I got sideways with one teenager. Then I got sideways with another teenager. And before I know it, I'm dosing up on THC and going through my pantry like it was a zombie apocalypse movie. And this was going to be the <laughs> last meal I'd ever had. It was just straight up emotional eating. Right, and I right. was hating myself while I was doing it. But I'm weak. And We've I'm all been flawed, there. We've all been and there. And I'm going to fuck up. And, you know, what life teaches you is it's if you, ex, you know, all the cliches are true. That's what I know. My car should be filled with stupid bumper stickers. You know, like <laughs> uh, man plans, God laughs. That's true. Why? It's the same as Zen Buddhism. All you have is now. That's all you have is this one conversation. Mm. And I only can control half of it. And I say what I can say. I thought about it before. I try to put it simply. I try to have some trenchance, you know, some cogency and see where it goes. I, I, I see how you take it. I see how other people take it. I see if it resonates. See if, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not in control of that. And that's got to be enough. Hmm. Um, and too often it isn't. And that's a false expectation. And we set ourselves up. And the less I do that, the happier I'm able to be. Um, but it is a struggle and I wish I were through it, but I'm not, I'm still in litigation. I still got all this outstanding fucking drama, uh, that I have to deal with. And that's, that's the part, you know, that that's the hand. Um, what are you doing to take care of yourself? What are you doing to get yourself back to equilibrium? And, um, there is no equilibrium. There's only flow. Mm. So, uh, I, I try to process the flow. I have a life coach, uh, a therapist, um, who I've had for a long time. Uh, my wife found him when we were watching all our friends get divorced like 10 years ago. Mm. She was like, holy shit, this, those guys are getting along better than we are. Um, so we started <laughs> couples therapy. And within three sessions, the therapist decided my wife no longer needed to be there. And he's been my therapist. Holy shit. Like next wow. Um, oh, my but, God. You know, once, once I got over that little indignity, yeah. <laughs> um, I was like, really? It is all my fault? And um, <laughs> He has been a gift to me. So I do that. I take an antidepressant because I was really having mood lability mm. issues. Um, I have been uh, offered uh, to change the dosage 
I am too much of a rockhead to want less of anything. I'm always about more when they offered it. I know a lot of people don't want that. They don't want to say they're on an antidepressant or any mood medication, or they want to say they're on a pediatric dose. I was like, I want all of it. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I, I want, I want all of it. I want mm. all the creatine. I want all <laughs> the protein. I want all the chain amino. I want it all. Yeah. And you know, the guy was like, that's not how it works. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm fighting uh, a dose reduction because, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to take any, any, um, any chances with uh, getting into more dramatic swings of emotion um, than I, than I can manage well. So I'm doing everything I can is really the simple answer. I really believe in that. And there's no shame in my game. I mean, there's certainly things that I regret, even though I know that's a wasted emotion. There's certain things that just haunt me. Uh, and there's certain challenges I have that I'm just going to have. And it sucks, but so be it. It's not bone cancer. Hmm. And uh, I just do what I can when I can as much as I can. Hmm. And when I break, I break. And when I fail, I fail. Hmm. And when I'm down, I'm down. And I just know that I have zero quit in me. It's mm. the only thing I have going for me. I mm. have zero quit. I can be beaten. I can lose. I can be wrong. Um, I can be uh, really uh, annoyingly stubborn and wrong. Um, and those are weaknesses. And I'm lucky to have really strong people around me who tell me to fuck off when that's the case, which is really good. Mm. Um, I have, my friends are all alphas males and females, um, they're all bosses, uh, and they all uh, don't care about how many people want to take my picture uh, mm -hmm. when we're at a bar. So those, that's a really important thing for me to have. I don't need, um, I, I don't need sycophants. I don't need people. I, I only question the judgment of someone who compliments me. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying to learn from people like you and the friends that I have who understand things that I don't. And I'm open to trying anything. I'm open to stopping anything. And um, I just try to listen. I try to listen to my head and my heart. I try to listen to the better minds around me. Hmm. And I just try to stay as present as I can. And it's very, very hard for me. I, Chris, you, you have always had, I've always thought this about you before we became friends. You, you have an authenticity, willingness to be vulnerable, an empathy that comes across in your interviews that's so refreshing and different from what you see in normal media. And um, I don't have a question here unless you can talk about where that's come from, but I just have to say it's, it is deeply refreshing. I have deep gratitude and admiration for having gotten to know you because I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that you're willing to be like that in a sea of people in your field who aren't. And I appreciate it. Look, I, I, I envy the ability of people to keep parts of themselves private to not have to deal with the scrutiny that I've had. Um, my feeling is that the only power is in the vulnerability. You know, I can't stop people from talking shit about me or for saying things that are demonstrably false. So I might as well tell my own truth. Um, now, look, I'm not going to embarrass my kids to talk about their lives in a way, you know, they, they, they didn't put themselves in this position. I did. Uh, and I really put them, you know, in a bad way with this shit helping my brother that I never saw coming. I never thought it was going to affect my wife's business mm. and her, my kids and have my son have to fucking, you know, knuckle up. Um, if I had known all that in advance, 
there's a really good chance I would have said to my brother, this cost, this is going to cost me way too much, man. Yeah. I love you. You're my number one of one. Um, but I can't do this to these guys. They didn't ask for this shit. You did. I did. They didn't. And I, and I didn't prioritize that, or at least I, I didn't see it. And it haunts me. It pisses me off. But I know I'm not alone in this. And, you know, I've been around the addiction and recovery world for so many years for personal and professional uh, reasons of people in my life. And these are all such universal struggles, different degrees, sure, different manifestations, sure. How many guys do you know where they got screwed by a board or an investor and they got the thing taken or the timing was wrong and it would have been huge and it was nothing. And then all of a sudden they're there, they got right. the SEC on their ass. And all of a sudden they're fine and nobody wants to touch them and they got to reinvent and then they come back and then their wife leaves them. You know, these stories abound. Life is pain management. And if I could do anything with my time, I'm not a clinician. I don't have answers. I don't want to give people answers. I just know what I've read and I know what has worked for me and I know what I fail at that I shouldn't. And I think there's value in that. I'm not going to talk about it every night because a lot of people more that I'm interested in self-improvement is a great scam business because everybody's looking for an easy way. The only guy out there who I think is really the person to listen to, and it is not easy to listen to the guy. I have two guys that I love the conceptual one without question, Joshua Metcalf, hmm. chop wood, carry water. That guy gets it. But I'll tell you one thing. Do not team up with Bedcalf if you don't want to hear the truth about yourself, <laughs> because he is not your guy. If you don't want an honest assessment, don't mess with Josh Medcalf. But I think he is invaluable. One of one. Um, the other guy who I hate on many levels out of pure jealousy, Goggins. Mm. David Goggins. That's a hard motherfucker. Makes me sick. I would love to beat his ass, but I don't think I could beat him at tic-tac-toe if I got the first three moves. <laughs> that he, guy is on another level, man. But he is you. There is nothing that makes... That guy's got two patches on his heart. Yeah, He's got a rebuilt knee. He's got Raynaud syndrome. He's got the sickle cell trait. I mean, he broke the world pull-up record at over 200 pounds. Unfathomable. It's all this. And that's why I hate him. Because he, you can do what he does. You won't. <laughs> but that's the point. That's the point. Is that he, you can callous your mind. You can extend. You can suffer. You can endure. You can. You just don't want to because you're weak, mm. like me. You know? You, and, and the more I've gotten to know David, and... Do you know him personally? I do, and I love him. Mm. Um, uh, you just said you hated him. Uh, yeah, I know. No, 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 him. I love him. I love him. I'm being petty and small. Oh, yeah, you talk um, about yourself. He's, a, he's, a, he's incredible. He's incredible. He is the real deal. Mm. And, you know... I like, I read where people, I like, try to take the piss out of them. It's always men, by the way. And 
God, we're pathetic. Yeah. We're so pathetic that you want to try to find a reason to discount what he does because you can't deal with the fact that you ain't shit compared to him. Mm. Uh, and I love that. I love seeing that weakness in people because I identify with yeah. that kind of pettiness. And it, it feeds back into our reckoning of our politics right now, by the way, that that is that self-protection instinct of wanting someone else to be worse than you. Mm. It's like the secret of daytime television is that you want to see people on TV who make you feel better about your own miserable life because theirs is worse. <laughs> and what I love about David is, um, look, he is a flawed man. OK, by the way, that happens to be redundant. Um, but he is aware of them and he's working on them. And I love that. There's something beautiful to me in that. When I'm most upset at myself, it's when I'm surrendering a circumstance. Mm. You know, oh, fuck it. I'm going to tell her exactly how I feel today. And yeah, I'm doing it. And I'm not going to go do that. And I'm not going to work it. And I'm going to do that. All this negative thinking is just weakness mm. uh, of my lack of will, my lack of resolve to want to do what I know I should be doing. And I do it all the time. And it's why religion is so catchy. It, you know, and it's it's why self-help is so catchy. It's because we're so weak and desperate and we'd love to get away from it. But I've made a different choice. I'm leaning into it. Mm. I'm leaning into it. Um, you know, you want to hear how I'm doing? I'm not doing so great. It's hard. It's a struggle. I'm not supposed to say that. If you were paying me, I wouldn't have that. I'd be, oh, oh, no, let's go through that again. You're just asking this guy to say Noah is broken. Yeah, I'm broken. Yeah, but we don't want him to say that because other people will think it and that's not good for us. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but you're in the media business and you, and by the way, stop saying the F word. It's no good. People are going to put it in a headline. I don't care. I don't control what, well, yeah, but you could give them less ammunition. But then I'm not saying what I want to say. I'm not being how I want to be. I'm not asking for their votes. I'm not asking you to watch me. If you don't want to watch me, don't watch me. I really want to curate my audience anyway. I want people who buy into what I'm saying, who see I'm not some answer man. I'm not your guru. Don't come to me for uh, some role model. I'm not a role model. All I am is I'm like you. I'm flawed. I'm struggling. My struggles are unique to me. Mm -hmm. That you, you know, yours are you. Maybe you have a kid who has special needs. Maybe you've got a relationship. Um, that is maddeningly broken. Maybe you've got a family dynamic that's incredibly toxic. Maybe uh, you're jammed up in an equity position that you just can't get out of. Or maybe you've made a couple of bad deals that now you got to live with. Whatever it is, whatever it is, life is pain management. And I think the more we talk about it, the better we're going to be. But it's just not easy to get people to talk about it. I got Cedric the Entertainer coming on today. Mm. I love his career. I love the diversity of what he's done. Um, but I want to talk to him about struggle and I don't know how open he'll be to it. We'll see. Um, and that's kind of the challenge in the podcast. You know, we've gotten like this huge roster of, if people check out the podcast, I'm realizing more and more how many people, you know, we've only been up since I think July, right? July. Yeah. That, um, you know, I mean, we've had like a lot, like had like 10 really big deals in like five different categories yeah. of guests. Um, from like Charles Barkley to like, you know, President Zelensky. And yeah. I don't know that a lot of podcasts are able to offer that kind of um, diversity of uh, guest. 
But what I'm trying to do is make it all the same conversation. I really want to start talking to everybody about the same things, sure. you know, um, about struggle and about loss and how to do that, how to deal. Hmm. I'm really fascinated with it, you know, and I'll, I'll leave you with this because my producer's here now and he's giving me this thing guy. I got, got you a sandwich. The sandwich is in the fridge. <laughs> to get this guy to come to work, I've got to give him a sandwich. If That's any of the business out there, sounds like a bad strategy. I'm just telling you that, you know, so, this guy bucks recording. you know what I mean? It's like it's crazy. Um, I'll leave you with this. My son is 17. He is beautiful. He looks like Tarzan. And he is obsessed with his gains. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Gains. Yep. Eat steak, rice, you know, broccoli. You know, won't listen to me. Um, lifts weights. So I'm watching him the other day. And he's lifting weights. And I'm watching him do this rep. And I see where what is going to be called the lock point in um, in a press movement. Okay. Yeah. There's a there is a spot where the muscle fiber coordination, what we call the recruitment of muscle, is going to shift, okay? And that is the sticking point, ironically, because it's when you're recruiting the most muscle. Anyway, there are a lot of reasons for it. But the biggest reason for it, and if you can set your breath to that movement, lock in where you're, let's say it's a simple chest press or something if you can make sure that your shoulder girdle is down and your elbows are firing on the right angle to engage your lats and you start to create that arc of movement that makes you know a 225 pound press turn into a 315 pound press that's the difference Mm. it's not just strength it's coordination it's effort it's the mental drive to get through that sticking point. And like his father, he doesn't have. It. So I'm watching him get stuck. And I say to him, he's like, I can't, I can't. I said, then how are you holding the weight there? Mm. Yeah, but I can't push it anymore. Then how are you holding it there? I'm not strong enough. I'm not. Then how are you holding it there? Mm. You must be able to support the weight because it is not moving. Now, can you move it? Maybe, maybe not, but you're never gonna do it by sitting stuck in one place and saying you can't do anything better. Mm. And I see metaphors all over the place now. Like even tonight, I'm gonna talk about how I don't believe everything happens for a reason. I don't believe there's anything um, called luck. I believe there's chance, there's circumstance, how you take advantage of it. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. I think that we have an opportunity to give a reason to everything that happens. And that's a distinction with a difference for me. And it has operative effect. Rebirth and renewal is huge to me. And not just because some people perceive me as having fucked up. Um, I made lots bigger mistakes in my life that I'm haunted by than helping my brother. Um, So rebirth and renewal, Easter, Passover, Hmm. uh, to me, we need to channel that as we go through this little hiccup with the former president. Mm. And we need to see that there's a chance for us to be better than this. And I'm not even talking about him. I'm talking about us Mm. and the dynamic. 
I don't care if Trump is your choice. Trump is your choice. I, I don't fault people for what they choose. I wish they had a better agent for their animus. I get the grievances that feed uh, into his support base. I don't think a lot of the, the points of disaffection and of fear and of worry and of displacement are wrong. I think some are misinformed, but I understand why they feel that. I just wish they had a better choice of agent for their animus um, than him. But this is an inflection point for us. Uh, there's a choice. There's a set of choices to be made with how we cover this, what we make of it, what we make of what he suggests about it. And that's how I'm going to talk about it, because I think that's the way I can be most helpful. Hmm. Uh, Chris, you're awesome, man. I'm super, super grateful that uh, we are in each other's lives and that we become friends. I have the utmost admiration and gratitude for you. Where can our audience find you? How can they support you? What do you want people to know about you, where you are in your journey and what we can do to at the very least follow along and at the very most perhaps help? First of all, I appreciate you very much. Um, I need your help and I appreciate your help. So thank you for the friendship. Uh, the Chris Cuomo Project is a podcast you can get anywhere you want. It's free. I'm thinking of starting a subscription service uh, where I only talk um, pain management. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of people asking me for it. I have one aspect of the podcast I do called The Walk and Talk, yep. which definitely gets the most feedback. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily do the best, um, but, but that's it's engaged. not really. It's engaged. Yeah. People engage with it. That's not really my metric. My metric is depth yep. um, on it. And I, so why would I, why would I make it a subscription? Because even though I know somebody will join it under false pretenses, I got to figure out how well I can vet um, and then exploit whatever we talk about there. Sure. I, I would still like the layer of uh, intimacy and uh, a little bit more discretion for people to feel willing to share. Yep. Because I really don't want to just say, here's what I know. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I want to hear what they know and how they know it and what that means to the rest of us and or doesn't and why. And I think that there's a real value to that. Uh, for me, I know I seek it out. And so I'm thinking about doing that. News Nation is, you know, cable channel. It's got as much reach as MSNBC. You just got to put in News Nation in your search and you'll find it. I'm on at 8 and 11. And I'm serious. If people want me to come and speak to them about the stuff that we're talking about um, when it comes to corporate strategy uh, and how to survive crisis uh, as an entity with your messaging, uh, I'm happy to do it. And I know that I know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, for those listening, Chris Cuomo, the one and only, you, you know how to get in touch with me, everybody. If, if you want to talk to Chris directly, hit me up and I can put you in touch or, or try to contact Chris yourself if you want. I have a feeling, Chris, that a lot of people listening are going to have ideas of what to do with you, how to support you and um, how to maybe even do some business with you. So uh, this is an awesome conversation, man. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I can't wait to see you soon, train with you soon. We can get some bench presses in and, and ultimately just maybe have a tequila and hang out and talk, man. But I appreciate now you. Now you're talking. Now I'll you're talking. The, I'll watch you lift weights. I like to see the young guys. While you, while you sip tequila. That sounds good. <laughs> Noah, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, brother. I'm always a call away. Be well. Likewise, brother. Much love. I'll talk to you soon.